0: Well then, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Damien Karras.
1: And I'm the devil. Now kindly undo these straps. If you're the devil, why not make the straps disappear? That's much too vulgar
0: display of power, Karras.
1: Hey, yo, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Merry in Madness Monday. I hope you have lots of presents. It's Sean the Butcher here with Vertebrae Thirty Three. This is in Madness Pod. What's going on, dude?
0: What's going on, Sean? Uh, Happy anniversary! This is the anniversary so, of the so podcast.
1: tomorrow, tomorrow, December twenty sixth, yeah, is actually the anniversary of this podcast and also of this movie. We have the same birthday as the movie we're going to do, which is yeah. pretty badass. A uh, happy one year anniversary! Happy birthday to us! Digital high five. Digital high five.
0: We're, we're going yeah. on. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, a year ago, we launched this podcast. Episode one, we covered Krampus. Uh, it is insane now to see a year later wearing people's top podcasts on their Spotify. Wrapped. Shout outs to you. If you posted that, we reposted that. Uh, if that's not cool enough, Vertebrae, you texted me that we also have listeners and I don't know if I can say this but I'm just going to say it anyway, why wouldn't I be able to listening in get get this right? Uh, India, mm-hmm. Australia, Japan, yeah. France, Spain, Italy, Singapore, Belgium, and you said the list goes on
0: yeah that's crazy i i went into the maps one time to look and i was like and then i texted you i was like i couldn't believe it and i wanted to save it for the podcast but i was like man this is really cool
1: uh so shout outs to having the madness worldwide thank you for listening all over the world that's incredible uh, thank you. If you're a veteran listener, if you're new to this family, welcome. Make sure you follow us on the socials. That's how we spread the word about everything we're doing at In Madness Pod on everything Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, threads as well. Make sure, uh-huh, the winner, by the way, was Mail Sack. Mail Sorry. Sack. Make sure you hit us in the Mail Sack. We will read your email on air if we approve of it. But, I mean, we read and, it blindly. So, yeah, even if, it, if it's bad, we'll read it.
0: Yeah, we read the Google alerts. But, uh, you know, if you've never listened to this podcast before, we appreciate you joining because maybe this will be a bigger one with this episode. And what Sean's referring to is deciding what we are going to call our bit when we read, read the mail. Uh, and I will admit this to you. I voted... And and I voted for mail sack.
1: so did i
0: <laughs> yeah so i was like i don't know no, i'm looking at them and it's a good running bit so you know what the heck i'm gonna vote for that
1: but yes you can hit us in the mail sack, email us in madness at gmail.com make sure you subscribe to the youtube this podcast is available audio everywhere but we are on youtube as well if you want to watch long hang out with us while you're at work have us on the background have your boss yell at you for listening watching the podcast instead of doing any work uh we want to hear from 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 you it is in madness Monday it is Christmas absolutely insane Spread the madness Worldwide tell your Friends about This podcast do you have The vinyl to this movie vertebrae I
0: I do not And there's a reason that I don't Have it and we can we'll talk About it as the movie rolls along I kind of want it because it comes in Bright green vinyl um But I wanted to mention, too, if you we have the the in madness playlists, right, the music playlist that we always talk about. So if you go on there now and start listening now, you're going to take the course of our first year with the yep. podcast. Right. Our so journey. timely, you're going to have the Christmas music and everything right there. And you'll take this journey with us throughout the year. So um, I I'm amazed that we not amazed that we made a year but i'm kind of
1: i'm pretty amazed i was gonna ask are, shocked. You, fucking, are you completely sick of me yet no. you know doing this
0: no i miss it when i'm not on it um i would say we hit I hit points where the prep is much harder to do and life gets in the way um but uh, yeah i love it and i, I i'm excited we're not going to give anything away because nothing's 100% but we do have plans for 2024 and to kind of take this podcast even to another level um and i will say listener support will help that right at at this point if you give if you give us a five star review write something up on apple it moves us up the charts spotify you just kind of score it so you give us just five stars there and that just helps grow this audience, grow the people who can communicate with each other on social media and talk about things. And, and it can just in turn be more fun. But we do have, I would say my top three things to do this year with this podcast, number one's gotta be like, we finally go get a sandwich together. Um, and number two is going to be that I finally sit down and create merch for us, which we've talked about for like a, half the episodes on this podcast, but that'll be coming soon.
1: I wanna thank all of our guests from the past year. Uh, we had Brandon, Talking Bay 94 podcast. We had Chef Brian from the band Lost Becomes and owner of Mission Sandwich in Brooklyn, New York. where You can pick up the Hail Sean Sandwich, uh, take a picture and make sure you tag us all on the socials. Uh, I wanna thank our buddy uh, from Panic Room Toys. Uh, also Herman from Johnny Booth, also Joe Miro of Creepy Canvases and there will be more guests for the new year you can bet on that um so i'm going to shut up it's been long enough vertebrae are you ready was there anything you wanted to get into before you tell told us what movie we are getting into
0: no because once i tell us tell everyone this movie then we (laughs) we can talk about the lead into this movie because you asked me when we jumped on if i was okay and and i was like yeah you know i'll talk about it on the podcast um so we're doing the exorcist and i exhale as i say that because this movie is a lot and it's an incredible film released december 26 1973 so we are or unleashed i should say on the world 50 years ago december 26 and i can't when we first talked about doing this this movie is one of the ones that's on the list originally but I can't believe that they dropped this film the day after Christmas, 1973. So it's rated R, but they're loose and fast with the ratings in 1973. It's sort of recommended that people under a certain age don't go. Do you know how many like unwitting children must have been in this film because it's just they're all off from school the parents are off we're going to the movies half the time in the 70s you just went to the movies and saw what was playing in the movies it wasn't a multiplex it was one or two movies and so and the reactions to this film are you know the buzz that it creates the physical reactions, right? There's people and there's a video online of reactions to it, which we got to put in the show notes. Um, you know, people passing out, fainting, vomiting, um, issues with rating board after this, because the 1973 you work in the movie theater and somebody wants to come in, you just let them in. You're not like, are you 17? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. So, um, just an incredible film um there it's funny sean there's in that video that i'll post the link to there they literally show some people passed out and they're kind of getting up and they're showing them and um they they talk to one of the kids who works at the theater and he's like yeah we have two different types of smelling salts we have the one kind of in a container and the other one you crack open and he's just talking about it like he'd be talking about the types of popcorn That they have at the movie theater just very nonchalant about about this but lines around the block for this movie this was a huge release um at the end of its original theatrical run it grossed 193 million and in its lifetime another 441 million um nominated for 10 academy awards including best picture and it won for the adapted screenplay and best sound so based off of a 1971 novel by William Peter Blatty, um, which was inspired by a 1949 case of a supposed demonic possession and exorcism um, that he heard about while while he was a student at Georgetown University. Um, And Blatty releases this novel, and nobody's really grabbing it. And then through some circumstances, he ends up on a segment of the Dick Cavett Show, and somebody can't make it on the show. So instead of being on there for 10 minutes, he gets a 45-minute segment on the Dick Cavett show. And then the book quickly skyrockets to number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Everybody wants to make it a movie. Um, and away we go. So I listened to the 40th anniversary audio book of this. Literally just finished moments before we jumped on the podcast shotgun 12 hours of a book and so when you asked me how i was doing I was pretty, <laughs> bad. Know, yeah o- over the course of the last week uh i've seen the movie multiple times and i've been a- listening to the audiobook at night before i go to sleep so and and you i think i texted you about that and you wrote back like merry christmas <laughs> like yes i'm just sucked into this world um and yeah do you remember before we get into the cast and everything do you remember when you first saw this movie
1: uh it was so i mean i'm i'm not going to get into uh the movie yet but i just really quickly want to set the mood and i'll I'll lead into your question um i got the christmas tree up the ornaments the presents are all around. And then I have this goddamn movie screaming in the background.
0: <laughs> um,
1: and I want to start the show off because when you did ask me what the hell version of this movie we're going to watch, mm-hmm. uh, I sent you a picture of the DVD that I have, which isn't the natural cover of the dvd yeah and you immediately ragged on me super hard you were like (laughs) is that even linda blair what (laughs) the hell is that is that the right movie and you were asking me where the hell i got it from my response to you was i a hundred percent stole it from the place i was working at when i was working there um and i knew of this movie forever Yeah, but I don't think I had ever seen it and I was getting into horror and it was one of the many movies I just started collecting and I don't think I had seen it until I kind of took it from this place I was at and that's when I think the first time I saw it was years ago when I was working at this place and took this DVD and then took it home and watched it and was like this is for the time it came out the most incredibly fucked up thing I've ever seen.
0: I I would say I still think it is. Um, and we get we get into it a little, but just to be clear, I wasn't ragging on you because that's the copy you purchased. It's I, just when they reissue these things, there's there's an easy cover for that, and that's the theatrical poster, and it's not that. Like this even look like her. Really. I'll
1: post a picture of it. Yeah, it it kind of looks like her. A little bit. Of-
0: I don't know if it's
1: her. It's it so says weird. the scariest film of all time.
0: Which yeah, is- I I yeah. think I would agree. Uh, Blatty, uh, talks about this film a lot. The author saying that it's in the book that it's more of like a detective story. And I would say that the, the novel has more of the detective bits in it than the movie does. And a little more of the sort of medical research than the movie does too. Um, but it's just funny because I think, you know, he, uh, Friedkin makes this William Friedkin directs this movie after He did The French Connection, and that's one incredible uh, one-two punch. So that's 71, and this is 73. And I think both of them, for some reason, it seemed, tried to pull away from it being horror at times in certain interviews. And I don't know if it's because there's so much more. The horrific scenes in this movie are really horrific, but there's so much more going on as we get into it with the world building and the characters and everything that i think they when people emulate this movie sean just like halloween they they get it wrong yeah and and they just were like you know get the the high points the best of moments and they sort of miss all the subtle little in-between character things that are going on um and and these characters uh it's ellen Bernstein is Chris McNeil, Max Van Saito as uh, Father Lancaster Marin, uh, Lee J. Cobb as Lieutenant uh, Kinderman, William Kinderman, Kitty Wynn as Sharon Spencer, Jack McGowan as Burke Dennings, Jason Miller as Father uh, Dr. Damien Karras, uh, Linda Blair as Reagan McNeil, and Father William O'Malley, a real uh, father, as Father oh. Joseph Dyer. So a real okay. priest playing Dyer. Um, you asked me about the soundtrack. I do not have it on vinyl. Waxworks has an edition that comes in a, like a fluorescent green kind of vinyl, which is really cool. But th- this soundtrack is kind of all over the place because he struggled to find a composer for it. So he first goes after Bernard Herman, who's hitched famous for Hitchcock films like psycho and the birds. Um, and he turns it down because he thought the Iraq scene made no sense which is crazy to think that he and, and we had to get into that very early if it does make sense or not. But you turn down a job just because you don't like one bit of the film. But he was super successful. So I guess he could do that. And then the next choice was bullet, a bullet, the composer for Bullet, the movie Bullet. Um, and he did a very brass heavy score and freaking hated it, got rid of all of it. So he just ended up putting a soundtrack together with basically like went through his own collection of classical records and picked stuff out. And the most iconic track that uh, Mike Oldfeld's tubular bells is this insane like prog track that goes on for 20 something minutes on, on that album. and has some weird stuff towards the end of it. But what what does that sound for that song sound like to you? What other movie does it sound like? The two beer bells. Yeah.
1: Is that the theme, the exorcist theme?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: What else does it sound like? Is it, I don't know, is it like a Christmas song or something?
0: I want to say Halloween when you listen to Oh, yeah, yeah. Carpenter. Yeah, yeah, yep.
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And when it comes on and, and you get some fall looks in the beginning it's definitely you know chris walking down the street with the leaves going it has a little bit of a halloween i could see carpenter kind of really digging that um so he puts that together the makeup is done by dick smith who they consider the godfather of makeup effects he's worked on taxi driver the godfather scanners etc um and you know blatty always said it was a supernatural detective story and not a horror story but there are plenty of horrific things that happen in this movie. So I am not of the right mind right now. I can't tell you when I saw this for the first time because it just existed. So I, I think, unfortunately, I think, you know, the high points, a lot of people know the high points of this movie or the most horrific points first, because somebody told them and then you kind of see it. Maybe you see those points and then you actually sit down and watch the film I would venture to say that most, a good amount of people, not most, who are freaked out by this film have probably never sat down and watched the entire movie. I, I, I think that's a pretty good guess that they just were freaked out enough that they didn't want to watch it. Th- this movie to me, and stop me if you think I'm wrong, but for me, it's unsettling even in quiet moments.
1: The parts that disturb me most about this movie aren't even the parts where she's possessed.
0: Yes. And obviously, the realistic cerebral angiography that they do is really messed up. That's my least favorite scene in the movie. I go past that scene every time because I got no interest in it. That's the one that most people passed out at in the theater um and is rough rough on people and that's not right a possessed scene but um yeah even just when they're talking and stuff sean it just it's just uncomfortable i don't know you know it's filmed very much like a documentary and they talk about that it's gritty um we'll get into it as we go along but obviously being able to do this in 1972 when you're making it is pretty amazing pretty amazing um, so I don't remember it. How are you mindset wise with this movie now? Now that it's existed in your brain,
1: it still bothers me. It still yeah. bothers me, and I, 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 it, I watch it the least because it bothers me so deeply i get i get the effect that this had to have had because i still have it with all the shit that i've seen uh i it still has that effect on me where it still bothers me to this day so i do watch it but i don't watch it as often i was as i would watch you know killer clowns or whatever
0: right and i would say that now that i've listened to the book read the book whatever listened to the audiobook uh i like it a lot better I always liked it, but it really freaked me out. But I was, you know, it's coming, and you can go into stuff really deep. Um, in this book, it is an incredible book. It's super well written, super easy to read, um, and just kind of flows. And I think what helps is if you know the movie, you kind of picture the characters from the movie as you're reading it, and it helps it move along really well. But it was a a twelve hour listen. Uh, on audible and i breezed through it and when i was done i was like you know me i was like where can i get like the special hardcover collector's edition of the exorcist you know side by william freaking or blatty um <laughs> but yeah i i kind of i bought this on 4k and, and watched the watch both the theatrical release and the extended cut. So you watch the extended cut for this, right?
1: That's the DVD I have, yeah.
0: Yeah. So that that didn't come out till 2000. So this movie lives from 1973 to 2000 without probably one of the most famous scenes in the movie and we'll get to it later, but uh it's pretty crazy. Um we can there's some stuff I want to talk about about like the quote-unquote curse on this film and stuff, but I think we should leave that for part two of this and we can kind of open with that because I, I think we should just jump into this movie because I'm already, I'm already sweating, so I'm already nervous to do it. All
1: right, are you ready? I think so. Okay, so right off the bat, uh, I never hit play on the DVD. I just want this to be known that it started by itself, so immediately I'm already freaked out and think that my DVD player is possessed. So that's how I start when I start taking my notes for this movie. Uh, we see the house. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, yeah, I I had it on the screen, the open, the you know, the main screen when the DVD. It's like play scenes, this options, whatever. I never hit play on it. It did it by itself, and the movie oh just God. started as I was setting up my computer. And I was like, "This is this is how we're going to begin this." So and yeah. so,
0: I guess I should tell you, I'm going to tell you my thing too. I go ahead, go. Gonna play, but this is so. So it's that time of year. Everybody's getting sick, right? So my my wife, my daughter, who's been on the podcast, actually, my daughter has uh, both sick. Both go to bed early, and what do I got to do? I got to hunker down and w- watch The Exorcist and take notes. So I'm downstairs. I'm watching The Exorcist, and I hear something from upstairs, and I think it's like you know somebody calling me, like Daddy or whatever. So I go upstairs. And I go into her room, and she's talking in her sleep, but it's like little kids, like gibberish. Like there's no actual like words, it just kind of like sounds. And I'm kind of standing at the door, like what's going on? And I go in and cover her or whatever. And I'm like, it, it's been happening, you know, recently a little bit. That's what happens uh, with kids and and adults too. But you you know, you're not actually saying words. Just
1: couldn't be sense. a worse time for that to be happening.
0: Yeah. So I come down the stairs, and I had bought the 4K and i had it open on like a table and i must have not put it kind of it was kind of near the edge so i walk downstairs and go to sit on the couch to watch the movie and the <laughs> and the case falls off of the and just hits the floor and I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, "I don't know, now I gotta hit play on this again and go back to this, but like, what is going on? And nothing crazy, like nobody's no,
1: and you know, my th- yeah, that's that's but, freaky as hell that we both had. We both had moments right at the beginning of the of yeah, and movie. I'm just
0: sitting in the I just sitting in the house, and I'm just looking at the piece of furniture with the blu ray case on the floor, and I'm thinking,, that no, no, so funny. all has a reasonable explanation, of course, but yeah, um, possession. yeah yeah
1: yeah Yeah. possession a hundred percent uh we see a house the house the house iconic it's nighttime cut to a shot church we see the face of a statue question marks i don't know religion or statues or churches is this the virgin mary it is okay good i was i was hoping it wasn't sean facts the movie opens it's the exorcist haunting music in the background sun's in the sky sky turns blood red We're in this desert, northern Iraq, men digging feverishly. This kid comes running up. He's stoked. He approaches this old white dude. They found something. Small pieces, lamps, arrows, coins, not of the same period. The man digs a little deeper in the hole and pulls out a rock with a little evil-looking statue head. An Mm. idol, as Vertebrae called it in our Lighthouse episode. That's right. Make sure you check out the Lighthouse episode of In Madness Pod. The sky is blood red. Idolatry.
0: Idolatry, Sean. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
1: you learn a new word every day, every, every week on In Madness Pod. Uh, we cut to the old man in the middle of this Iraqi bar. It's outside. Lots going on. Drums, people, horses, screaming. It's tense as hell. He's at the bar. He's shaking. He's taking pills, drinking shots of liquor. The dude is in bad shape. We cut to a man in an office with all these archaeological findings. And another man who's writing down what they found. The old man is looking at this pendant. And then he's holding the little statue evil head thing that he found. The man sitting at the desk says, evil against evil, father. So this man is a priest.
0: Yeah. And right away, I'm curious. I'm confused. I'm still confused about the connection to him, this artifact and our eventual demon are we to believe that the demon was released we know he he's had issues he'll tell us about it but do you i still don't get that part this part right here like what's the connection between this and later on does is there any address the guy
1: uh, it, I mean, I he yeah, I think he released it. Uh, yeah, I think he released it when they found it, and it it made its way somehow over to to her place.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. The novel sort of goes into how this demon strongly wanted like a grudge match with Marin, mm-hmm. um, and found another victim. And when we see him later on, he kind of is like, "Yep." it's time it's time to to go do this very matter-of-factly but this part when i first saw this movie this part totally confused me totally i don't know why i'm saying it like that but totally. <laughs> <laughs> and it still does a little bit but i love the little kind of indiana jones bit that we're getting early on in
1: this yeah yeah the digging and the and the and the mm-hmm. men and the little statues uh, yeah the, the, cl- the clock that marin the clock in the room that marin is in it's ticking in the background and it stops ticking. The mm-hmm. man sitting at the desk says he wishes, uh, wishes Merrin didn't have to go. And he says, there's something I need to do. He drives up to this large stone structure. It's all torn apart. He sees it. The evil devil statue. It's blocking mm-hmm. out the sun. He climbs up and it's this large devil statue with wings. And I'm guessing is this huge dick. Uh, there's a man watching the old priest, <laughs> right? It's just this big thing coming out of the groin area.
0: And this is Pazuzu. Yep. They never mention him by name in the film, um, but he was in the Mesopotamian, re- Mesopotamian religion, and he's the king of the wind demons. And um, adherents to Pazuzu believe that he helped ward off other demons, and they used his... They made amulets out of his face to kind of keep other demons away. So we twisted a little for the b- book and the movie, but I don't know he's demons in, in, in that religion weren't necessarily like there were like good demons and bad demons and stuff kind of in lieu of the word God a lot of times. Um But yeah, pretty, pretty iconic stuff happening early on. The dogs begin snarling and
1: barking in the background, and we get this tense music. The priest is face-to-face staring down this evil devil statue. The sun is blazing. The sky is blood red. We cut to Georgetown, Washington, D.C. I got a mother Mm -hmm. in bed, and she hears a noise scraping around in the attic. She checks on her daughter. She's in bed. The window's open. It's freezing in the room. Some other closes the window. This lady's a big deal. She's got a bunch of people working for her in the house. A maid, a repairman who's fixing things. She tells him there's rats in the attic. He insists there are no rats in the attic. And she's like, go lay
0: some traps. Mm, He's picking on. That's Carl, right? I think that's Carl. Carl, Poor Carl. And let's remember throughout this entire movie, she's a huge actress. So if you want to sub in, I don't know, Julia Roberts for this, just imagine Julia Roberts' daughter becomes possessed and she's having to interact with people. And the whole time they're interacting with her, when they first meet her, they're just like, you're Julia Roberts. Like, they're not paying attention to anything else that she has to say. Um on the cover of a magazine and everything, so I I couldn't think of. I was thinking of it like, who would we compare her to? The
1: equivalent, to, yeah.
0: I don't know. That's no. I don't know. Not, yeah, Roberts no, Julie is.
1: Roberts is a good one. Yeah, yeah. I get
0: a sense that she's the actress that everybody knows. It's not like she's she's like the actress. And in the book, they kind of. She's given a there's a subplot with her getting a chance to direct on her own and kind of go in a different direction. And she has to say no, because obviously she ends up having a lot of other things going on in her life.
1: Well, here she is. She's uh, filming a movie right now with our director, Burke. Mm. Uh walks out and our, and our big deal lady, her name is Chris. She walks out. She's an actor in this movie. It's happening. Uh, it's happening within this movie, The Exorcist, which is cool because it's like a world happening inside of a world. I always like mm-hmm. when they're filming movies in movies. It's pretty cool.
0: Oh, um, I, I forgot. I wanted to tell you in the morning when she's complaining, they, they have, I don't know why this threw me off, but they have coffee and it's in a car co- in a percolator. <laughs> Like the yeah. plug-in coffee brewing percolator, it's certainly certainly of that time period because nobody uses percolators anymore. Did your family have like the plug-in coffee? No,
1: thing? no. But I, I, I had, I do know what a percolator. There was, I, ha- I had a friend who was like obsessed with a percolator, so I do know what a percolator. Oh yeah, is. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It continually like cycles through like a near brew with the grounds kind of cycling through, um, and then they were. I think soon almost soon after this film comes out they're replaced by drip machines. So maybe the, the future freak, freak people out so much that they didn't want to use percolators. Anymore. No more percolators, they're possessed.
1: <laughs> uh Chris seems to be annoyed with her lines in the movie. She's arguing with Burke the director. He makes a joke about calling the screenwriter who's in Paris right now fucking and they laugh and they hug. And they're por- putting on a show for this group of onlookers who are watching the film. Uh, in the crowd, we see another younger, dark-haired priest. This is Damien Karras. He's mm-hmm. watching along. Uh, he's watching the exchange between Chris and Burke. And he and the audience are all sitting there laughing. So they're filming the scene, this big protest at the school. Chris approaches. She gives her speech over the megaphone. All the actors are yelling and screaming. And we see Damien Carris walking away. Mm-hmm. Chris wraps up filming for the day, takes herself a walk home, and one of the most iconic themes in horror history begins playing
0: the Exorcist theme. Right. Which- and we see her walking down the street, and there's leaves blowing and everything. So we get a sense that this is fall. Mm. I'm going to just throw this out there to you. Wait, Sean.
1: oh, man, because I, I have it for you too. I wonder if it's the same one. Go ahead
0: no say say yours first let's see no let's no see.
1: no because i'm not up to it yet i want to know if what you're gonna say is gonna be you go ahead
0: the novel takes place in like april okay um over a period of a few months <laughs> so if this takes place in the fall does this wrap up around christmas
1: uh oh i don't know no i don't i don't know maybe oh does yeah. it yeah
0: yeah, it would. It's right, they're in the fall. They get the leaves on the ground, and then they're wearing like heavy. At the end, they're wearing okay. those heavy winter coats, and yeah, or the new year.
1: Okay. So, my question to you is going to be: Did this movie take place over seven days?
0: No, it takes place over months.
1: Okay. <laughs> is it yeah. seven months?
0: Which, which is insane. Because no, I don't think so. I think it wraps up by the. They're still in the winter when the at the end of the movie because they're in those heavy winter coats. But um, it's insane when you think about it, because a lot of these scenes seem very quick when they're happening. But really, this torturous stuff happens to this family over a period of a few months. And even later on, we can talk about some of the changes towards the end, which make a lot of the other stuff really impactful. But yes, it, it takes place over a few months. Maybe it maybe it wraps up on Christmas Day. Who knows? Or December 26th.
1: Even more disturbing. I will be adding the exorcist theme to the In Madness playlist. Uh, Chris walks past a church. We see our priest, Karis. Uh, He was watching her in the crowd earlier. He's talking to another younger priest. He's comforting him. Uh, She hears their conversation saying, there's not a day in my life I don't feel like a fraud. Priests, doctors, lawyers, I've talked to them all. I don't know anyone who hasn't felt that, but a plane flies overhead and blocks out their conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. Chris walks inside her house. We see another helper, a young girl. This is Sharon. She seems to be, I guess, her secretary and her babysitter. Uh, Apparently, Chris got invited to dinner at the White House. So she is a big time actor. Yes. And down comes Reagan. She kisses her mom. Hello. Tells her about her day. She got to ride a horse. She begs her mom for a horse. Then Reagan snatches something. I don't know what she snatches. uh, And they playfully wrestle on the ground.
0: What is like a cookie maybe or something? I don't know.
1: I don't know what a the food, hell it is. She just snatches have, it. Yeah. yeah, she snatches it and runs. Uh, we cut to the grimy-ass subway. Up walks Father Karras, a homeless man, asks for some help. He says he's an altar boy. He's a Catholic. Father mm. looks at him annoyed and walks away as the train screeches past.
0: Right, and you see his eyes kind of, like, glow a little bit, right, at that point? Oh, do they? Yeah, they get a little weird when the light comes in, so... Mm. There's a few theories on this film um, And later on We'll talk we'll talk about them but. Okay, Karis
1: is walking through the city Beat up area Kids are jumping on cars He enters a dark apartment, turns the lights on Looks at photos on the wall We see one of him as a boxer There's a TV on another room, it's his mom's place She's asleep mm-hmm. in her chair She's happy to see him He asks about her legs, she cooks him a meal He wraps up her leg and tells her she needs to rest He wants to put her in a home where she can get help She refuses. She can tell he's not happy. He insists he's fine. Later on, when she passes out, he leaves her some money, kisses her on the head, and he
0: walks out of there. (laughs) Yeah, he's got a lot of guilt, this guy. He's got a lot of guilt. They say he's a psychiatrist. He's a priest, but he's a psychiatrist. So he's got to listen to everybody have their issues and probably questioning their own faith While he's questioning his own faith, while he's not able to help his mom. And yeah, he's a very sad character in a lot of ways. Nothing goes
1: right for this poor guy.
0: Not even at the end.
1: No, it's just uh, from beginning to end, it is a terrible existence for this poor bastard. Yeah. We cut to Reagan playing with some arts and crafts in the basement. Uh, And from a space in the wall, mother pulls out a Ouija board. Did you ever have one of these as a kid? Did you ever use a Ouija board?
0: I didn't. I was so terrified of Ouija boards. Did you have one?
1: Yes, I had one.
0: Yeah, because you would just hear people, and
1: I messed with it. it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Did you you mess with it? Did you get any, yeah, anything? no,
1: nah, we got it at Toys R Us. We so they sold them at Toys R Us. I bought a Ouija board from Toys R Us, and no, I didn't do anything. You would try and trick your friends out. You make them think that 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 you know it's really moving, but somebody's moving it.
0: Mm, do you still have it? No,
1: that was probably when I was in like sixth grade, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no. Nah, no more Ouija board for me. Not anymore. Not after no. all the movies and podcasts we've done. No way. <laughs> <laughs> mother asked where it came from reagan found it in the closet mother asked do you know how to play with it uh oh this is like reading from the necronomicon she goes mm-hmm. to reach for the ouija the marker whatever it's called and on its own it jerks away from mother's hands and she looks at reagan and says you really don't want me to play but reagan didn't do it nothing did it it moved on its own maybe mm-hmm. she doesn't even believe what she just saw and couldn't even comprehend anything else even happening and even crazier reagan laughs and says i do want you to play but captain howdy said no uh oh mother asks who reagan says i make the questions he does the answers uh oh
0: yeah and her dad's name is howard so they obviously there's a hop skip and a jump to this being, you know, just related to the fact that the parents are split up. And I think there's a lot of that in this in the novel and in the movie where they're trying to figure out what this is all about for her. And and is at first just kind of trauma from, from the end of this, you know, relationship. But
1: Captain Howdy seems like a Tony, Danny's possessed little finger in the shining.
0: Yeah, there's, there's, listen, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that people use in so many things in pop culture. After this, it's really, it's really very incredible for a movie that they don't want to call a horror movie. It is, it may have influenced horror movies more than any other horror
1: movie. I agree. Uh, Reagan asked Captain Howdy if he thinks her mom is pretty, but nothing happens. We cut to Reagan in bed. She's reading a tabloid book photo play. And on the cover, it's her and her mom. Mm-hmm. Mother snatches it away. While you're reading this, she tucks her in, says, she, what do you want to do for your birthday? It's on a Sunday this year. This is where I was going to ask you if this took place over seven days.
0: Hmm. And of course, gonna- of course, her birthday would be on a Sunday too Mm. right with all the religious stuff for this film and everything the basis of of course her birthday would be a sunday also in her room at that time is a fish tank Mm. and we never see it again or i don't i couldn't (laughs) see it again i don't know if they've removed it when everything hit the fan yeah you know
1: the devil broke pazuzu shattered (laughs) that that was the first thing to go
0: but like when they're moving things out of the way and they do later on maybe but i was like man that's a pain in the butt to move a fish tank you got to take some of the water out and you got to yeah i mean poor carl was probably the one who had to move that fish tank i'm thinking you know he yeah. was uh, yeah. they're going to go
1: to the movies sightseeing for her birthday mother and daughter hug they embrace they have this very strong bond it's such an enormous contrast to what actually happens in this goddamn movie Reagan Mm -hmm. tells mother, you can bring Mr. Dennings if you like. That is Burke, the director of the movie she's in. Mother's Mm -hmm. asking why. Reagan says she knows that she likes him. Mother begins asking, what's up with all the questioning? She goes, you're going to marry him, aren't you? Mother laughs, and she's like, of course not. Don't you like him like daddy? Mother Mm -hmm. says she loves daddy a lot. Burke just comes around a lot because he's lonely. And Reagan goes, well, I heard differently. Uh Oh, Oh, boy. From who? Captain yeah, Howdy, Captain oh, Howdy, maybe. Yeah, yeah, probably Captain
0: Howdy, yeah, definitely. Captain, you're right uh, in the novel. They go into Chris sort of questioning life, so she questions faith. She's not a person of faith, we know that throughout this. She questions that, but she starts to have thoughts about like, what does it matter? Like, we're all gonna die, and where are we gonna go? Um, and then Reagan kind of asks her something like that, uh, as well later on, so. When you get inside her head, she's already pretty torn up about one, the divorce Two, just kind of what does it all mean? She's in a weird headspace. So we've got her in that headspace. Karis is in that headspace. Reagan ends up in the headspace (laughs) that she's in. It's um, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people working out a lot of issues. Burke's got a lot of issues too. We're about to find out as well.
1: Man, Burke is is like the little the little bit of relief you get from this movie. Yeah, uh, we we cut to Father Karras. He's at the bar. He's drinking with another priest, telling him his mother's old, uh, should have never left her in New York. Uh, he'd be near her. The other priest ca- can look into transfer. Karras says, "I want out of this job. It's wrong. It's no good. It's like the priesthood mafia." The priest says Karras is the best they got. It's more than psychiatry. Some of their problems come down to faith. Like you said, vertebrae, the meaning of their lives. I can't do it anymore. I need out. I'm unfit. I think I've lost my faith, Tom. Uh Oh, a priest losing his faith. Sound familiar. Check out our signs episode from earlier in this year in madness pod. Great episode.
0: Yeah. One of them, you know, one of them needed somebody to swing away and one of them needed to, Make another leap of faith. (laughs) Yeah, literally a leap of faith.
1: We cut to Mother on the phone screaming to the operator because she can't get Dad on the phone to wish Reagan a happy birthday. He's at the Hotel Excelsior in Rome, and no one can get a hold of him. Mother screams he doesn't give a shit, and Reagan is on the other side of the room listening to it all.
0: And supposedly in the book, he's he's off Galvan with some other woman on a boat in Europe and here and there and all over the place. So,
1: yep. What a dickhead. You cut to the middle of the night, like 3 a.m. The phone rings. Mother gets up. And like I don't get this part. I thought it was dad calling because of like the time difference or whatever, but it's not. Like she has to get up and film a scene or something. I don't know.
0: Maybe that's maybe that is her wake up call because they might do a wake up call for you because this is a rented house. So she's you know she's a big enough actress that her she's going to travel to where they're filming they're going to rent her studio probably pays for this home for her to come and her help and her daughter and then they all in turn probably have this you know set the wake-up call for her and and everything but uh, that's also interesting is that this is a rented home we get a lot of we don't get horror movies really in rented homes we get a lot of like personal stuff because it's your own home it's filled with your own stuff and you're terrified of of being there like your own home is betraying you but this this is all just
1: this one they're like break the ceiling who cares puke on the floor it's not our place no one gives a shit
0: oh god i didn't even think of that you know the studio is probably not getting their deposit back on this place (laughs) after this (laughs) how do you even explain any of this?
1: What is this pea soup all over the place?
0: Yeah, I'm never buying a house near a whole mess of steps. I can tell you that much. (laughs) That's not happening.
1: Mother turns over and there's Reagan in bed with her. What are you doing here? My bed was shaking. I can't go to sleep. Mm. Uh Oh, mother walks out in the hall upstairs in the attic. Again, we hear banging and scraping. Mother grabs a stick to pull down the attic door. She tries the light, but of course it doesn't work. We see Reagan laying in bed, her eyes wide open in fear. We hear more scraping in the attic. Mother lights a candle, heads up to this massive attic. These damn movie attics, like Colorado Space Attic.
0: Yeah, She's they're walking. always the gigantic they're huge, attic.
1: enormous.
0: And you know, Sean, when you talk about the noises, so like demonologists believe that there's three stages of demonic attack. So it's the first is the infet- infestation brought on by calling upon demonic, demonic, I got to say this clear, demonic forces. Um, So they're calling on it probably from the Ouija board in this case, and they may only scratch walls or go undetected. Then they sort of start to oppress humans who are emotionally vulnerable. Um, And then if you don't get rid of the demon, they become thoroughly tormented till all of their mental faculties have collapsed so we're seeing some of the stages as we go on we're just hearing noises in the beginning and you know they think it's rats and then you know it it found a host in somebody who's emotionally vulnerable and so maybe that's how it
1: happened Merrin released it in iraq Uh, uh reagan starts fucking with the ouija board And boom, he zips from Iraq to Georgetown and uh, and then
0: possesses her. Right. And we also see her being emotionally vulnerable because of the divorce and everything. She's listening to her mom on the phone and kind of it really starts to hit the fan after that. Maybe the demon is just rattling around in there trying to figure out who to go after. And then he. You know, finds that there's availability with her. I mean, certainly Chris, probably too, in a lot of ways, would have been. He's like,
1: not Carl. Certainly not Carl.
0: No, Carl's too on point, I think, (laughs) for him.
1: (laughs) Carl's too busy to be possessed. Uh, She's walking through the basement. All of a sudden, the flame on her candle jumps. But at the exact same time, Carl pops up and he says, I told you, no rats. And she goes, Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks. Terrific. (laughs) which is like the, the pinch the pinch of humor that you get from this movie we cut to a church priest bringing flowers into the church we see the face of the statue of virgin mary correct yes good again the same one from the beginning of the movie the priest lays the flowers on one side of the room and as he's making his way over to the virgin mary statue stops and in horror sees there is blood smeared on the hands and the whole midsection, and there's long, pointy horns protruding from where the boobs would be, and another Mm -hmm. big, long horn for a dick for added measure and shock value. And the priest stops and says, oh, my God.
0: And so I'm going to stop you there. Who did this?
1: Pazuzu while he was bored trying to get into Reagan.
0: So... there's it's strongly implied in the novel that Reagan is doing this. Yeah, 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 had yeah, probably, yeah, probably. And that and that the red is actually the red paint from the bird that she makes. She makes that like oh yeah clay clay yeah. bird. Yeah, and that the stuff that's added on to that is the same clay so it's like it was molded right they make a big deal about she made uh, yeah yeah while while possessed which i mean we could get into how how much fun she must be having how you get around that quickly um and then in the novel too they go into a lot of there's a lot of like black mass talk they go into it at the dinner party later and it's really interesting but you know um and they had to edit this for TV too, so they didn't have that that shot that they show there wasn't in wasn't on TV. I would imagine a lot of shots aren't. Yeah, we we there's a whole website that has a list of them. I'm going to list a <laughs> few that weren't in there, but there's a website which has it edited because you know at that time TV is a huge deal to get it on TV. You're going to make a lot of money by having it on TV. Now it doesn't matter if it's on broadcast TV, but they'll edit and reshoot things just to get them on TV. <laughs>
1: We cut to a doctor's office. Reagan doing what I just did. Uh, She's getting her physical. Maybe she passed out at the Bog show too and was concerned and had to get a checkup as well. She's getting her blood drawn. She's strapped up to this EKG machine and quickly across the screen flashes the face of the demon Pazuzu. Mm
0: -hmm. Reagan
1: is laying there still almost in shock. Another doctor is testing her joints, asking her if she feels a vibration when he's tapping her. He asks, do you feel this? She fucking looks him dead in the eyes and goes, I don't feel anything. He tries taking her temperature. She gets pissed, rips the thermometer out of her mouth. You cuts to another nurse prepping something in the room and Reagan is leaning against the door, humming to herself and begins sauntering around the room, room, humming and drops to the floor. And the nurse is just looking at her like, what the fuck is up with this girl?
0: And this part, this these scenes in early on are, are, aren't as clear as what it really is. In the novel, it goes more into the, the mom thinks there's, something wrong with her it takes her to the doctor to get checked out so that kind of happens earlier and she's there for that reason um that's kind of a big change there's a few things that kind of jump a little in here because i think they just have to kind of you know it's over two hour movie so they got to kind of cut to the chase on a little bit and leave some stuff open um for your interpretation
1: mother's waiting in the room for the doc who walks in and tells her it's a disorder of the nerves often seen in early adolescence she shows all the symptoms hyperactivity temper performance and math it affects her concentration he gives a riddle and he says her condition could be overreaction to depression that's out of his field mother snaps back and she's like she's not depressed he says you mentioned her father and the separation mother asked if she should take reagan to a psychiatrist he says no he thinks the ritalin is the answer wait three weeks what about the lies she's telling him about the bed shaking he asks if she's ever known reagan to swear she says no never he says reagan told him she advised me to keep my fingers away from her goddamn cunt mother is devastated yeah, like, no. let's see what the ritalin does
0: and, and do you think chris is a good mom
1: she's trying right she's trying there's there's a lot worse my a lot worse movie moms i've seen
0: yeah i mean she's the famous actress i i you get a sense that reagan spends a lot of time with sharon and carl right Yeah. yeah yeah but she's wanting to have those special moments when she's with her um and they kind of go into the book a little that the parents split up because it was tough on dad to be her husband. Like he's her assistant in a lot of ways, right? We see the early on Reagan's reading that magazine and she's on the cover and and all of that. So those two are okay with all that attention. And I think he kind of struggled with being, you know, Mr. McNeil in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we cut the Karis storming out of the hospital with another man, his uncle, telling him the edema is affecting his mother's brain. She doesn't want any doctors near her all the time. She's screaming, talking to the radio. Karis is pissed. His uncle acted without telling him first. They gave her a shot. They brought her to the hospital. Doctors are going to fix her leg, and then we'll take her out of here. Two or three months. Good as new. And he's saying this as Karis is looking at all these sad, miserable fucks in the hospital. They request to see Karis. Mom, Karis, is looking at all these mental patients in a separate ward. His uncle calls Karis to see if he, uh, uh, he says if he wasn't a priest, he'd be a famous psychiatrist on Park Ave. And mother would be in a penthouse instead of here.
0: Oh, lay, that's brutal.
1: Lay more of a guilt trip on this poor bastard.
0: He's already miserable. And now his uncle's just taking shots at him like it's his fault that he's a shit. I know it's a pretty like a noble career that he took on and he knew he'd be he'd have the weight of a lot of people because you're not only a priest who people are going to come and confess to, but you're the psychiatrist for all the other priests so the priests are coming and confessing to you and dumping everything on you and you're trying to help people and you got his mean uncle just blaming on him.
1: Karis goes in the psych ward where they're keeping his mom. All these ladies approach him and grab on him and he shoves him off. He approaches his mom's bed and she goes, why did you do this to me? He's mm. Devastated. He grabs her. He tells her he's going to take her out of there, but she keeps yelling at him and blaming him outside. Karis is asking his uncle, couldn't you put her somewhere else? And his uncle goes with what money? Mm. Cut to Karis. He's at the gym boxing. He is blasting the shit out of this punching bag
0: imagining it's his uncle probably
1: for real cut back to chris reagan's house big party going on lots of people hella fancy cars surrounding the house inside tons of what looks like to be big shots actors famous people and whatnot and there's burke the director of the movie this little nugget of comedy gold in this dark ass disturbing movie drunkie sitting between some party goers and he goes there seems to be an alien pubic hair in my drink
0: <laughs> such a weird line so weird
1: best icebreaker ever then he starts breaking the server's balls who's uh giving everybody drinks and calling him a nazi bastard even though the man insists that he is swiss <laughs> we cut to Chris, our mother. She's speaking with another young priest at the party. She's asking, who's the priest she's been seeing around more often? He's got black hair, very intense looking. That's Damien Karras, our psychiatrist counselor. Poor guy's mother passed away last night. She lived by herself, and I guess she was dead a couple of days before they found her. Oh, Karras cannot
0: win. And this part really confuses me because we saw her in the facility. And then she, like the time on this is like, so she went, home. she didn't pass away in the facility. She passed away at home and was also, no one knew about her for a few days. So it's, this is
1: a couple days after. Definitely.
0: I guess so. Yeah. It just seems like it's not. Sudden. and Yeah. Because yeah. We
1: just saw her and now she's been dead a couple days.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: They're just sticking it to Karis as they're like, we got to, we got to screw Karis's life up quicker, quicker. Mm-hmm. cut back to Burke, harassing the server, calling him a Nazi. The server attacks Burke, tells him he's going to kill him. Party is break up the fight. Burke smiles, claps his hands and goes, what's for dessert? <laughs> cut to Reagan asleep in her room. Mother comes in, whispers in her ear, are you sleeping? She gives Reagan a kiss, walks out, and Reagan opens her eyes wide.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cut to downstairs, a dragon Burke's drunk carcass out to the curb. Everyone inside the party is sitting around the piano, singing and having a great-ass time. Out walks Reagan into the room. The piano stops playing. Everyone looks at Reagan. Which, my friends, brings me to my memory of, of the alpaca's moment. Wow, that was my... <laughs> this is mine. That's crazy. So many crazy, iconic moments in this movie that could be milking of the alpacas moments. However, this is the beginning of the chain of events that makes everything go off the goddamn rails. Mm -hmm. Reagan says, you're going to die up there and then pisses on the floor. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And they cut that the urination on the rug out of the TV version. I bet. Of all things, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's just some water hitting the rugs, but they cut that. They kept the line in about you'll die up there, but they cut out the, uh, the urination.
1: Mother is horrified. She brings Reagan upstairs. She's giving her a bath, asking her why she did that. Reagan says nothing. Mother puts her to bed. Reagan asks, what's wrong with me? It's just nerves. Take your pills. You'll be fine. Mom leaves the room. She walks halfway down the steps, and we see a housekeeper scrubbing piss off the floor. All of a sudden, Reagan begins screaming bloody murder, and we hear a massive rumbling. Mom runs up to the room, and there's Reagan on her bed. The bed is jumping and hopping around, and Reagan is screaming.
0: And Mom hops on the bed to
1: hold Reagan.
0: And and so and a, a just quick thing about the dinner party <laughs> in the novel in the original novel, there's a psychic at the dinner party. And she's getting some weird vibes from Reagan before she even goes up to bed. And she's sort of like eyeing her up and talking to the mom. And she even leaves a book for her there on like on like black mass and like stuff like that, because they had a conversation about it. So um, that kind of plants the seed a little that like somebody else who has this intuition is like, hey, something's kind of up with this girl. Um, but, yeah, we're about to go on a ride now.
1: We cut to a priest walking through a dorm hall. He knocks, and there's poor Karras, depressed. He's in a small room. The boys are drinking whiskey. Uh, the priest says he stole the whiskey. They're smoking cigarettes. Karras is depressed. He wasn't there to help his mother. priest tells him there was nothing he could do. He tucks Karras in, tells him to get some sleep. priest walks out, and Karras says, stealing is a sin. Karis <laughs> is in bed dreaming we hear him snoring we see a necklace which has a pendant that the older priest Merrin in the beginning it looks like the, the pendant that he was holding yeah it's see-
0: saint joseph is, okay. is what's on is what's on it it's not the same pendant later on but it's just a pendant and it's supposed to be one that would sort of protect you
1: Okay, we see Kara's mother and the ticking clock that stopped in the beginning. Kara's mother walks out of the subway. Karis is yelling at her, waving at her, but she seems to be uh, crying to him. Again, the face of Pazuzu, the demon, flashes by the screen. Karis is running to his mother as she heads back into the subway. We cut to a scream as Reagan in the doctor's office, freaking the fuck out. The docs give her a shot. She spits in his face and goes, you fucking bastard.
0: <laughs> That's Sean at the doctor. I am,
1: I I got my flu shot, and I did not curse or spit in anybody's face. Oh my uh, god!
0: Could you imagine? What if they would have gotten it? Like if you would have referenced the movie and then, be uh, yeah, they would like I don't Hey,
1: know. <laughs> No, please! I was like, I fainted at the Sanguisuga Bog show. Am I gonna die? Am I okay?
0: They're uh, like
1: they're like, you did the EKG. I did. I did my carotid. I did the EKG. My numbers came back normal. I'm okay. I'm okay. Bring Sangwasugabag back. I, I promise. I'll be fine. We cut to Karis in the church. He's holding a service. <laughs> He's giving a eulogy for his mother, Mary Karis. We cut to mom and doc talking about Reagan. Doc lights a cigarette right there in the office. He yeah. tells mom, it's a disturbance in the chemical electrical activity of the brain, the temporal lobe. It's rare, but it causes hallucination usually just before a convulsion. Mom goes, what convulsion? The shaking of the bed. It's muscle spasms. Mother's like, no, I jumped on the bed. That was no mm. spasm. The whole bed was thumping and rising off the floor. And this doctor goes, your daughter's problem is not with her bed. It's with her brain. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mo- mother immediately buys into it. What causes it? Doc says a lesion in the temporal lobe, kind of a seizure disorder. Uh, Could also uh, cause her wild behavior. Mom asked for some good news. Doc says all they have to do is remove the lesion. Mm. Oh, and here we go. This is the real milking of the alpacas moment because this is what this is where I want to stop watching from this part on. Yeah, we can we can
0: actually skim. We can skim this scene. I don't even like this scene.
1: So, oh, man, I have to, I just, they're wheeling her into the operating room. They strap yeah. her to this table. They oh. jab her with this needle. Blood is squirting yeah. out of her neck. They Look, hook Sean, I'm, I'm just
0: like, I'm I'm emulating the people at the theater right now.
1: Yes, oh. they hook a tube up to her neck. Oh. They put these giant machines oh. all around her head. shes it, it, It's scanning her brain. She is screaming. The There's,
0: noise of the machine the is the loudest the, machine ever. It's like ba ba dude. Oh,
1: I it gives so... me it's it. This is hell. Kill me now. I would never want to be put through this. Even watching this movie, I'm like, nah. I I can't. This. I remember the first time seeing this movie. I'm like, I don't know if I could go on. I think I need to stop because that bothered me
0: deeply. And so many people were bothered by that. And and what's funny is when I was rewatch, you know, I haven't watched this movie in years. And and I when we're when i'm watching for the podcast and it gets to that part i was just like literally out loud to myself i was like ah crap (laughs) because (laughs) because now do i not only have to like kind of watch it well, like, what's my job on the podcast? Do I have to, like, research this and stuff? And then I just decided, nah, I don't need to research It's a two-hour
1: movie (laughs) if there's two minutes where you don't want to have anything to do with. Yeah.
0: I was like, it's okay. I don't have to research this part too much. But this is the scene that actually a lot of people had the most most problems with. Um, And they kept it light on the set throughout the filming of this movie for a lot of reasons because you know, we'll get to it later on with her, but like you got a young kid that you're putting in these, in these situations, these pretty horrific situations. What's crazy is this is not the scene that anyone talks about when they talk about the movie. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever talks about this mm-hmm. scene first. It's AF it's like people talk about the ones we're going to get to that are super, super iconic. And then if you mention, cause now that we're getting ready to do this, I'm talking to other people about it. And then I mentioned that this scene with the medical test and everybody has the same reaction they're like oh yeah that scene but like they don't want to talk about it they'd rather just talk about the other kind of like more supernatural horrific
1: and comical ones yeah yes yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, a brain doc is checking the scans there's nothing there no vascular displacement at all and then this asshole's like, you want me to run more tests? It's like, yeah, dickhead, go ahead. Keep stabbing this girl in the throat, squirting your blood all over the room with this loud clout, <laughs> clanging, banging machines. Uh, and she's going to sit there screaming in agony. And we're, we're going to go out and uh, smoke some cigarettes and hit on the nurses. Uh, that, that cool with you? I'll just run some more tests.
0: It's hard to take i guess you know it's it's a period piece obviously filmed in 72 and comes out in 73 but now with our 2023 almost 2024 eyes it's hard to take a doctor seriously if like he's smoking so much right because you're like i don't know like if you're the guy who should be giving out the medical advice
1: different time different time yeah The phone rings, it's Reagan's mother, there's a problem The two doctors run to the house to check it out They arrive, the babysitter's there frantic It's gotten worse, she's having violent spasms The doc asks, did you give her meds? The doc says, yeah, what meds? Thorazine, exactly what they gave Michael Myers, Dr. Loomis, in Halloween Make sure you check Mm. out our episode of In Madness Pod The men rush up to the door, they walk in and there's fucking Reagan Flopping up and down 90 degrees, back and forth, screaming Make it stop! Mm. Horrifying to look at the doctors are standing there dumbfounded doing nothing she's screaming it's burning he's trying to kill me as her body's bouncing by itself up and down on the bed her eyes roll back into her head and another voice begins growling out of her we see her throat puff out like a frog or something the doctor yeah, that's pro- crazy. the doctor approaches Reagan she jumps up and slaps him in the face and in another voice Reagan says keep away the sow is mine <laughs> then picks up her dress and screams fuck me <laughs> oh, then she begins flailing around screaming then she gets slapped in the face by whatever this pazuzu demon that's in control of her mother screaming the dot grabs a needle and inject reagan
0: and she and so the the white eyes are achieved the pure white eyes are are these giant white contacts that this little girl had to put on to film to film those scenes can't see anything in them they're not now they probably have them where you could see out of them but they just literally like white contact discs that they cover her eyes for for those scenes and i think they kind of like hurt a little bit too and then you got to film all of this and they're thrashing her around in the bed she was uh injured on the on the filming of this movie and uh i promise you that part two will open we'll get into some of the quote-unquote curse of this film but um there is no way incorrectly
1: i bet there is no way this movie didn't only cause physical but like heavy psychological damage to this girl there's no way it couldn't have
0: yeah i mean it did to adult members of the cast and crew that i can't see i can't see that it didn't although when you see interviews with linda blair she seems very put together and um
1: i don't know she turned me down for a photo once and i've been pissed at her ever since love this movie oh. shout out to linda blair but she turned me down for a picture and then some dude five feet away asked for a picture and she took a picture with him what's up linda blair where's the beef
0: wait a minute where was this
1: at serious i she was up at Sirius. i'm like hey linda can i get a picture she's like nah i gotta go and she went out and was waiting for the elevator and while she was waiting for the elevator so my other buddy was like hey can i get a pic and she's like yeah And she took a picture with him. i'm like
0: curse, oh. curse
1: you linda blair oh man no nothing but love we'll have her on the podcast one day
0: oh please that'd be great
1: We cut the silence. Mom and the babysitter outside the room stressed. The docs come out of the room, and they say Reagan is heavily sedated. Mother asks what happened. How did she do that? The doc says pathological states can induce abnormal strength, like if a 90-pound woman sees her child under the wheel of a truck. She runs out, lifts the wheel half a foot up off the ground. Same thing here, same principle. Mother wants to know uh, what's wrong. They still think it's the temporal lobe, and she screams. She's acting out of her mind like a psychopath. Uh, like a psychotic split personality. She stops herself, collects her thoughts. The docs doubt it's split personality. He insists they do more of these absolutely horrific tests on Reagan. And there she is like a fucking Guinea pig being tested on once again by this God awful looking machine with the spinny arms that are just going mm-hmm. and clanging yeah, and, and she's banging
0: crying. And, and yeah, that's a bad, these, yeah.
1: These are the most horrific scenes of this
0: movie. And, and they—it's definitely in the novel too. They go into a lot of—they just think it's everything else. But like the medical doctors are like, that's not even mental. They don't even want to like touch on the split personality thing or anything. Um, and even when we get to the end, it's a little different in the novel. But it's just they're trying to rule every everything out as we go along. But we, as the audience are right away like nah nope there's you guys aren't paying attention and
1: go figure all these horrific tests and nothing shows up nothing yeah. on the scans nothing on the x-rays she is normal unreal <laughs> Doc asks mom if she keeps drugs in the house mom goes I don't even smoke grass ah mom it's okay Doc goes I think it's time you start looking for a psychiatrist. I like your Grinch mug there. Nice Grinch mug. Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas.
0: That was for our Christmas special. I got a Grinch mug.
1: (laughs) Mother's driving home. She passes cops and ambulances. She gets home. The phone is ringing. She picks it up. The line is dead. The lights flicker on and off. Stunned. Mother stands there and over her shoulder again flashes the face of the demon Pazuzu. She goes up to Reagan's room. The window is open again. It's freezing. Frost is coming out of mom's mouth with every breath she takes. She runs downstairs and yells and blames the babysitter for leaving Reagan by herself. She says it's freezing up there. Babysit. The babysitter says she had Burke, the drunk, come over and stay Ooh. with Reagan while the babysitter went out for the Thorazine.
0: Dun, dun, dun. Uh, and-
1: then where the fuck is Burke?
0: Yeah. Where did he go? Come on, that crazy Burke. He's gotta be up to something. But you notice the face flashes behind her, that demon face, and then the sculpture face flashes on the inside of the door right before she goes to open the door. You see the inside of the room and you see kind of the statue face flash there wow. too. I don't know. Somebody can tell us you should write into inmadness pod at gmail.com. I didn't go through all of the changes between the theatrical and the extended cut to see if they had added in any of these flashes. Um, But I'd be curious to see if it all existed before, because they do a lot of these and they do a lot with the sound as well. They do a lot with like weird sounds that they kind of layer in into this. Um, But yeah, crazy
1: doorbells ringing a man walks in asking the women if they heard heard what? Stunned, the man takes off his hat and says, you haven't heard. Burke's dead. He mm. must have been drunk. He fell down from the top of the steps right outside. By the time he hit M Street, he broke his neck.
0: The and Chris, heard- when she's on her way home, she passes. the There's like a police incident, and you kind of see it. You don't notice it when you first watch the movie, but repeated viewings. And you're like, oh, that's right where it is. Um, because the steps are right there. They're right behind the house, but um, dangerous steps, those steps.
1: No good. The women women are in shock, but not enough shock, because right now comes one of the most iconic and overused scenes in all of history that wasn't actually in the original version of this movie. I guess Mm -hmm. they added it after, I guess you said in 2001, I suppose.
0: 2000 yeah for the 2000 like the it was a dvd released in 2000 probably that excellent dvd that you picked up
1: often uh imitated but never duplicated still makes my goddamn skin crawl till this day mother turns around and there's reagan who backwards crab walks down the steps gets to the bottom opens her mouth and blood pours out everywhere mother covers and- them yep
0: Oh, go ahead. go on, finish. finish. My go mother ahead.
1: covers her mouth, says, oh, my God, as I am doing on my couch, sitting there with chills going down my spine.
0: And so you called it crab walk. They refer to it as a spider walk, although yeah. I always called it a crab walk. And then when I researched this, it seemed like the people involved in the film called it a spider walk. She originally goes down the steps and she's sort of flicking her tongue like a lizard and kind of chases at Chris and she goes against the door and you see more of her like on all fours on the, the floor at the bottom of the steps, like kind of chasing her a little. Um This was so freakin' and Batty had a love, hate relationship with everybody when they, with each other. I mean, when they made this film, so Batty was pretty upset that certain scenes weren't in the, the movie. Um, and there was some beef with the post production that he was allowed to not be there or, or couldn't be there. And then his name was later added, like above the title and, and all that. So eventually they get back together and kind of make up. And, um, they decide to release this extended cut in 2000. And what's crazy about that is, you know, the film is over what a 27 years old before you get your what people a lot of people consider the most iconic scene in it it was rumored to have existed people talked about it i'm sure we could look at old fangorias there's probably shots of it but when they do add it in they they weren't able to get the wires to take the wires out until 2000 and they just didn't get the scene the way they wanted it and then when they did it I think they thought the flicking of the tongue that she was doing wasn't scary enough so then they added that shot of her with the you know upside down with the blood and and her mouth and like that kind of quick quick cutaway too Um, but it's crazy that a movie could have this added in halfway through its current history and still have that much of an impact on people it's pretty wild and it's a pretty wild scene in the novel, too. That's in the novel, that, that part as well. So it wasn't something just added for the movie. Um, but, yeah, craziness. The screen cuts to black. And that,
1: my friends, I feel like is the perfect spot for us to take a goddamn rest. Because this was a lot. And we'll pick it up again very soon for the next episode 22 part two of in madness pod the exorcist merry christmas happy in madness monday happy almost one year anniversary to us our very first episode krampus dropped a year ago tomorrow the one year anniversary of this podcast is tomorrow the 50th anniversary of this movie exorcist is tomorrow and you might want to check under your christmas tree Once again tomorrow morning, because there may be an extra gift for you to find.